By building a platform to share challenges, network, and thoughts from leaders, the LabOps Leadership Podcast is elevating LabOps professionals as well as the industry as a whole. With the intent of unlocking the power of LabOps, we deliver unique insights to execute the mission at hand, standardize the practice of LabOps, their development, and training. Welcome to the LabOps Leadership Podcast. Welcome to the LabOps Leadership uh, Podcast. I'm Carrie Anderson. I'll be one of the co-hosts today. And I am the co-founder of the LabOps Unite community. Awesome. Thanks, Carrie. Um, we're so excited today to have Brian Fisk, who is founder and chief scientific officer of Mythic Therapeutics with us today. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Thanks, Samantha. Thanks, Carrie. Awesome. So just to kick us off, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to start a company? Sure. So uh, I'm sitting here in our offices in, in Waltham, Massachusetts. I grew up just north of here in Andover, Massachusetts um, for, for many years. Uh, I guess my fun fact where I would start growing up, I was a competitive swimmer growing up. So I had the opportunity to travel all over the country for that. Um, as a 11 year old, I raced a young Michael Phelps um, and uh, he won, <laughs> by the way. Um, so that, that, that can, you know, serve as a summary of my, of my childhood. Eventually I made my way to, to Harvard college. Um, and after that did a stint in management consulting at Bain uh, and then entered my PhD, uh, completed my PhD in cancer biology at MIT in Matt Vanderheiden's lab. So he works on cancer metabolism, uh, and he's now the director of the Koch Institute at, at MIT. Uh, during the time I was was at MIT, I had the opportunity to consult for a company called Agios uh, Pharmaceuticals or Agios Therapeutics. Um, at the time, they were around 30 people, very focused on discovery, um, and had the opportunity to see them grow into 130 people and focused on clinical and uh, they were in their phase one and, you know, had a fantastic um, outcome for patients and I think generated two or three approved drugs. Um, and actually someone in my, at a classmate uh, at MIT who was actually diagnosed with a brain cancer who they were able to treat. Um, and so that was quite uh, fantastic to see. So uh, having had that experience, both from the uh, patient perspective, as well as the company perspective, seeing, you know, them have such, Agios have such a huge impact, I wanted to get involved with, with something that looked like that. Uh, and so after my PhD, I went to Flagship Ventures, which is now Flagship Pioneering, as in their venture creation arm for almost two years, uh, started two companies out of their balance sheet, one of which uh, is called KSQ Therapeutics, which is still around. It's at the intersection of oncology uh, and CRISPR. Uh, and so ha after having done that two different times at Flagship, uh, I wanted the challenge of starting something independently uh, and wanted the opportunity to focus a little bit more on, on making drugs for patients rather than technology, uh, which is, I think, my reflection on, on what a lot of flagship companies are, are focused on. They're more technology focused and then figure out the patient part. Obviously, that's gone well for them, um, having started Moderna. Um, yeah. But after flagship, I left to start Mythic independently of flagship uh, out of my living room table. 
yeah, I mean, you're going to have to tell us a little bit more about that. Like what happened? How did you get from uh living room to the office that you're at today? <laughs> sure, sure. Uh many different steps, many different uh <laughs> twists twists and turns. Uh so when we started out, uh we started with literally nothing other than the idea that we should start a biotech company and that we might be good at that. We might know something about that uh, based on experience at flagship uh, and sat down for a while, you know, really with a blank slate as to what we should do. Uh, and I guess during that time period, uh, it started, it was the time in early 2017 when people were starting to figure out, Oh my God, there are like 150 and now something like 300 PD-1s in, in oncology entering clinical trials. And PD-1's the, the checkpoint receptor that you know, we, we all know about. Um, and so that became very interesting to us because we wanted to figure out like what's going on here because it seems like a phenomenal waste of human endeavor, right? Like why would you decide to be the 11th PD-1 or even like the 300th PD-1, right? Why, why would you do that? Why are people interested in that? So I think there's one, one reason that is not that interesting for a startup, for a startup which is that, um, you know, ha- having to do with PD-1s being used in combination and it being very hard to run a trial where you don't own one of the drugs. Um, but the other reason that we, we thought that was going on was that uh, fundamentally antibody technology is super powerful but no one really knows what to do with it, right? Other than take an antibody, make it bind a target, maybe that's a drug. Um, and so we started started thinking about uh, what we could do with, with antibody-based technology. Uh, at the same time, we realized that EDCs, antibody drug conjugates, where you conjugate chemotherapy to an antibody and use that to deliver more chemotherapy to a tumor, make it more specific for the tumor. Um, we started to look at ADCs and, and see that while the field had worked on the linker toxin side, right? How what the chemotherapy is that you attach to the antibody and how you link it to the antibody, they've been focused on that for decades. They hadn't really done much on on the antibody side, and so you know, putting two and two together, that's how we um, came up with our with our focus today. As far as I know, we're the only company focusing on antibodies for for ADCs, um, and uh, and that's our, our scientific focus. From a corporate perspective, right, it's been incredibly uh, rewarding and to build our team. Um, and so, I, you know, you said at the beginning uh, before we, we started recording here that you had Namish Gira uh, on, on last time. Uh, Namish was our, our first scientist and sort of we consider him our scientific co-founder at Mythic. Incredible experience in antibody engineering. Um, and so... Building the team, uh, raising money along the way, bringing on uh, you know, our great scientific advisory board, our board of directors, all of our major investors, Benrock, Viking, first round. Um, and uh, that led us to where we are today, which is we're about 30 people here in Waltham, uh, and we're funded out of a Series B we raised last winter to go to clinical proof of concept for our lead drug. So exciting. So exciting. Um, no, that's amazing. I think... It seems like it's been an adventure to to build it from from the ground up, um, and I think I really applaud you for that effort. I'm sure it's been a lot of ups and downs, um, but I think you know the technology. You said being 
the only one in the space, um, you know, that can be that can be great because you have a lot of opportunity, but it can also be very lonely. Um, like you are figuring it out all on your own. Um, so just kind of wondering what that's like, um, you know, being the only ones doing a particular, going down a particular path for development. Um, do you have like any learnings from that? Um, like things that you, you think are like helpful and are you just like so sure that this is what needs to be done that you're you keep on going down the path or like what drives you to keep doing this even though you're the only ones who seem to be doing it <laughs> yeah Sorry, that's a crazy question <laughs> <laughs> no no worries so i think um i think first off it's it's probably helpful to define as like what what is we're the only ones mean so i'll i'll define my own version of that um okay. which is uh we're the only company doing that but as a company we have you know dozens of team members and, you know, almost hundreds of, of stakeholders who have bought into and are really excited about what we're doing. Um, so it's a, it's a team effort. Um, and we've built that organically over, we built that excitement organically over time. Um, and so, uh, as an entrepreneur, like I don't, that energizes me enough. <laughs> and, uh, I think we can, What's really exciting about where we are now is, as we enter clinical trials is I think our clinical data, um, we're super excited about our clinical data that will be coming out in, in, in 2023 based on what we see in our preclinical models. Um, and we're very confident and we know how it'll translate and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think we look forward to clinical data as the opportunity where people will finally say, wow, what these guys at Mythic are doing is really exciting. I should take a deeper look and figure it out because it does seem a little different than what other people are doing. Um, and so that's how we think about it. And, and you know, it's a team effort and uh, you look forward to the point at which other people will have to pay attention. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I think it, it's very inspiring and I um, hope I hope that more people pay attention if it really is effective. So um, that would be my hope for you. Um, so I'm going to pass it over to Carrie. I know she's got some questions for you. Yeah, I have many questions. <laughs> this is really fascinating. Um, one thing I'm intrigued by is, so, you know, in your role, you're doing kind of both science and business. Um, you have a little bit of both aspects there. And I think a lot of people, especially that will listen to this podcast that are in lab operations can relate to that because a lot of us, you know, started at the bench and then transitioned into operations. Um, and I'm curious your thoughts on how that can actually help you out. Because I know for me personally, being a scientist previously, a lot of what I look at in the lab, you know, I want to make data-driven decisions. I want to be able to make smart decisions and be strategic about what we're doing. And that's kind of my science background coming in there. And I, I just, I'm curious your thoughts on that and how it can help you, know, you in business by being able to have a science background. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, fundamentally, as a therapeutics company, right? I can talk about my experience at Mythic. We're trying to help patients transform their lives by bringing new, new therapies to market. Uh, the, everything we're doing is related to science in some way, right? And it, the, the hard part is it keeps changing, right? And so the, the critical path, first it was discovery, then it was preclinical, 
then it was CMC, then it's early clinical, back to CMC again, right? So it's constantly constantly changing, but all of those areas relate relate back to science. And so the the like the fun questions, I think, or the 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 things that are easy to get energized about are all those scientific questions that sort of surround it, um, surround those 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 different topics. I think what the challenge is um, as a as a scientist. Um, you know, who spent five years for, for me personally, who spent five years in grad school with my head down at a lab bench, pretty much, um, is wow, people exist <laughs> <laughs> and people are really important and the team is really important. And, you know, uh, 80% of your team, uh, and 80% of the people that you, you interact with are like doing great and, you know, fantastically positioned for success. Everything's aligned, but it's that, other piece, right? 20%, hopefully less than that, right? Where, um, you know, someone's been doing a really great job, but you have to figure out what their next step is and enable that for their career. Or, you know, you have uh, a vendor who you don't understand what's going, <laughs> what's going on. They were working really great. Um, and a lot of those problems come down to, to, to people. And so I think that to me was the, the big learning in the last several years. And I'm still learning. I'm still not you know, I think it'll it'll be a lifetime of work to to figure all that out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the people are really you know what makes a company, um, and I think being able to understand them and you know realize that is really important. Um, so when it comes to lab operations, you know, a lot of times we're helping to drive science faster. And what's something you're seeing in your lab that you know? Being bringing the drugs to the development faster um, through you know lab operations, like how they're helping the team. Sure, sure. So I think the two areas that we found are most critical to get right. Um, one is shipping, <laughs> which is pretty pretty basic. But like for example, um, during the whole Texas freeze uh, thing, I, I forgot. Maybe that was last year. Uh, we shipping was totally messed up, right? And we couldn't get anything through FedEx, for example, to our CROs, even though we weren't, you know, our CROs weren't in Texas. They were in North Carolina, they were in Nevada, um, but shipping was terrible. Uh, and we, as a, as a result of like losing some shipments, some shipments being so delayed that they thawed out and didn't have any dry ice, um, we diversified our vendors and put in some additional SOPs. Um, yeah. And so, so that's one thing. Um, I think the other thing is, is more generally data management, right? And data management is especially complicated because uh, you're often, I mean, we probably have more, I don't know how many, but we probably have more people working at CROs for Mythic than we do at Mythic itself. And so they have their data systems, we have our data systems, um, oftentimes, the only link between those two is PowerPoint, which is not a great, uh, which is not a phenomenal database software. Um, and so, how does that all? How do you link that all together? How do you make that work? How do you make that work in the context of like a small startup where we're not going to have a giant IT and data management department? But how do we get the data to people who need it at the right time and then able to communicate that up? Uh, the organization. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a big area. Having worked in about every size company, it's a problem I've seen everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. I would also say, you know, tier, tier, I, I did, I, I saw this as a, as a question that you guys had beforehand. I think the, you talked a little bit about faster, right? Yes. And um, I actually think that I would, I would posit that for the most part, we're kind of at, maybe not in discovery, right? Which is what this podcast focus on we could probably always go faster in discovery and do more in discovery but once you get towards sort of past preclinical and into clinical you're really i think most companies and most people in biotech are pretty good at going as fast as you can and you're really actually limited by the institutions and like gxp <laughs> so unless we're going to change gxp which that's a whole other interesting conversation um but assuming we're not going to change that i actually think we're going kind of as fast as we can. And, and what might be more important and what I think uh, I would love to see more companies in our industry do is design drugs in a way where you have, you know that they're going to have a higher probability of success, right? Being very honest about what that probability of success is. You know, there's a lot of pressure as a small company, for example, to get your first drug out the door, whatever worked first, uh, whatever version of that is. But um, creating a company where stakeholders are bought in to have a really high bar and uh, designing the drug in a way and tweaking it where you can link it maybe to prior human clinical data, right? Especially if you're in a space like ADCs where there's lots of clinical data. Um, that's what I would love to see. That's how I think we could, you know, improve our industry <laughs> Yeah. Uh, rather than, rather than, I think we're going as fast as we can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's something I think we're seeing more of, and we're just going to continue to keep seeing, especially as we start merging technology and science more and more. So what's something, what's your biggest lesson you've learned in your career? Sure. Uh, I think I would link it back to what I said earlier, which is, uh, which is about people, right? Mm -hmm. I think uh, engaging as many people, I mean, from the perspective of a founder, right? Engaging as many people as you can, as early as you can, I've never regretted going out and talking to people, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, although sometimes it's, you know, as a scientist, again, your tendency is to be a little bit more introverted than that, or at least my natural <laughs> tendency is. So uh, getting out there, talking to people, and then what's, what I think is, is equally as important as going out and talking to lots of people is understanding how to interpret what they're saying, right? And it's applicability to you. Um, so what are people's biases? What are like pervasive biases, for example? So um, the one that I see the most often is people will tell you to do what they did. Um, and so you can learn something from that because you can learn something about what they did and how they thought about what they did. Uh, but the problem is it's fundamentally N of one and it's fundamentally backward looking, which is not very useful for you <laughs> if you're trying to get advice because you want to apply it in a, in a forward looking sense and the world is changing all the time. So um, I think that would be my biggest lesson learned that I would share. Yeah, that's a great one. I mean, I think you never know what you're going to learn from anyone. So those conversations with you know getting out there and talking to a lot of people is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think also, you know, being in a, a leadership role that you are like just being willing to talk to everybody on the team and hear what they have to say, like that may, you may get something out of that, but you're also giving them a gift as well, because, you know, especially if we're talking about the lab ops community, I know 
a lot of people feel like their voices aren't like maybe heard with the leadership because they're so far away. So I think it's really valuable when you're at the leadership table and you can still be willing to hear all the voices, right? That's, that's really powerful and you're getting something, but you're also giving something at the same time. So I think that's really great. Yeah. It's a really important point, Samantha. So, uh, one thing I started doing once I wasn't interacting, I mean, when we were six people, I was interacting with everyone on a daily basis. <laughs> but um, now that we're 30 people, uh, one thing that I've, I've instituted along the way is uh, exactly that, making sure that I, I have one-on-ones with everybody on the 16, 17-person R&D team uh, on a regular basis. And what's, what's interesting about that um, in terms of having people's voices heard is that I think I don't get a ton of like strong feedback at those meetings, but I think just the fact that I have those meetings means that if people did have strong feedback, I hear it sort of in a more immediate way, which is frankly more useful than waiting the three or four months until I catch up to someone on my on my one-on-one schedule. So um, yeah, making sure that, that people are connected. One value we have at Mythic um, is, is built together, which we mean that we're most excited to work with people who want to come to Mythic and build something, right? That's relevant for their expertise. And I have some actually interesting examples for maybe for for lab ops that people have come in and, and built stuff. But uh, you you can't get that without the right balance of engagement, um, encouragement, and making sure that people feel like if they spend the time and effort to like put their personal passion into the into the company, that that's going to have. Uh, an impact. Yeah, I love that. I think that that's awesome. Um, and it also, I think, leads us into like our final question, which is just, um, you know, is there anything else about Mythic that you want to share? And, um, you know, if people are interested in the technology, the science, um, where can they find more info? Where can they keep up with you? Um, and how can they connect with you? Sure. So, uh, I'm not the strongest with social media, but you could probably connect with me on on, on LinkedIn. Um, you know, my uh, yeah. Why don't I say try that? If people if people wanted to contact me after the, the, the podcast, um, in terms of in terms of Mythic, uh, we I think we'll have a lot of exciting things to say as we enter the clinic next year. Um, I think the part of the reason why I, I wanted to come on the podcast and start, start getting the word out is we are, we think we have something really exciting. We are very different. Right. Um, and I think people in the field, in the ADC field have sort of have an automatic expectation that ADC companies are working on linker toxins. And so one thing I'd love to do is like raise awareness of what we're doing and, and change that automatic perception because we're obviously working on the, on the antibody side of things. Um, so I think the other thing that's really exciting is that our platform is fundamentally payload agnostic. So to the extent people are excited about a linker toxin, um, there's probably a way for us to work together. And in fact, many of the new payloads people are thinking about uh, beyond oncology and beyond cytotoxics, for example, steroids for autoimmune conditions or RNA for different genetic conditions. Um, they commonly suffer from potency, which is exactly the problem that we've solved for, you know, in oncology and the work that we have in-house with, with cytotoxics. So uh, I guess I would encourage people to reach out to me if you have 
some idea for delivering something <laughs> inside of a cell based on a, a, on a on a protein marker or any marker you can hit with an antibody in the surface, we can probably um, have an in, at least an interesting discussion about how to how to work together. Um, and you know, like I said, the proof's going to be in the pudding uh, in in terms of our clinical data next year. So uh, I'm sure we'll be putting out press releases, and you can check out our website, uh, mythictx.com. Awesome. All right. Great. Um, well, Brian, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Um, we wish you the best of luck. Um, and we look forward to seeing that data next year. Yeah, Mythic sounds like an incredible culture, leadership team, and science. So we're excited to see and follow your journey. Thanks, Carrie. All right. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the LabOps Leadership Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's guests. For show notes, resources, and more information about LabOps Unite, please visit us at labops.community slash podcast. This show is powered by Elemental Machines.